This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. On this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you, my listener, find your own fierce and lovely story. It has become somewhat of a sacred journey for me to uncover the stories of women from around the world throughout time and present day. The more fierce and lovely women I explore, the more I fall in love with the one in whose image we reflect. My hope is that in this space, you embrace your own beautifully ordinary life as the majority story most of us are living. Hello, fierce and lovelies, and welcome to the first week of Advent. I have been super excited and anticipating not only this season this year, but also my friend Nicole Nordeman's new Christmas album. For those of you who have been following Nicole for the last couple of decades, those of us who've been fans, we have been waiting for her to release a Christmas album, and it just has. Uh, it's called Fragile, and it is gorgeous. I have been listening to it all morning. Those of us with Red Tent Living, I know, are super excited for her. She has been with us for the last three years at our Brave On conference, and you can listen to my interview with Nicole on this podcast on episode 29 and 30. Super excited about that. And since I'm talking about new things releasing from friends of mine, I wanted to let you know that on Wednesday of this week, my friend Christy Bauman's new book, Theology of the Womb, releases as well. Christy and I had an incredible conversation on the podcast. In fact, it was one of the most downloaded episodes ever. It still remains as one of the top uh, number one episodes, and that's episode 23. And it's all about her book, which finally comes out on Wednesday of this week. And so I encourage you to grab it. And since I am talking about books, and I'm sorry, I don't normally start off the podcast with commercials and advertisements, but it's just so fun to promote friends. And I wanted to share with you something that some of my author friends from Redbud Writers Guild and I are doing for you this Christmas. We wanted to compile a list of what we're calling slow reads, books worth the linger, a literary Christmas list for your friends and family who are avid readers and want to read something that is thoughtful and inspiring and thought-provoking. And so we have compiled a, a list of nine different books. You can find that in the show notes or you can go over to my blog and read about those different books. And we have quite an array, a huge collection from some of my favorite people. So I just wanted to point that out to you as well. Well, this is the episode of the month where I take over and it's just me. And it's just me sharing with you about the upcoming uh, city guide that we'll be releasing later this week. So the first Friday of every month, I put out a newsletter kind of e-letter where I am just sharing about fierce and lovely women that I am discovering around the world. And I always provide a free city guide to my email subscribers. Now, this is a curated day in a well-known city through 
through the lens of the women who helped to shape it. And usually on the show before that comes out, I talk about one of the women in that guide. And so if you are not yet a subscriber, head over to bethbruno.org forward slash freebies so that you can make sure and receive that this Friday. You'll also receive a password protected um, entrance into the resource library where you can get all of the past uh, curated city guides as well as some other great resources I provide in there for you. So this week um, is a little atypical. So usually I'm talking about one particular city and one particular woman I discovered in that city. And this week I wanted to, to shake it up a little bit and share with you uh, more of how I go about exploring a new city, especially one I've never been to before and haven't done a whole lot of prior research on. And I'm walking into this new place wondering what is here? What is here for me to discover? What stories linger? What fingerprints of women um, exist on this place? And I wanted to just walk you through what that was like for me when I recently visited Los Angeles. And so tune in, join me as I just take you into that day and, and walk you through what it's like to find the story of women in a place that you have never been before. So here's the story. My friend Jenny was being sent to LA for a conference with her company and she invited me spontaneously to just join her and stay in the swanky hotel and explore the city while she worked. And because I am trying to live in to my Harmony Triad and embrace my Enneagram 7, I just said yes spontaneously, something I never do. And so off to L.A., I went and met up with her. On the first day I was there, she left pretty early to go to her conference, and I just woke up to the day wondering, what what's today going to look like? And also, where in the world am I? I had never been to downtown L.A., and I had no idea where our hotel was, what districts existed, what areas of the town um, existed, and so that's where I started. I saw a book over on the counter and started flipping through it and realized it was incredibly thorough and an in-depth look at the city. And so I sat on the floor and just started with the beginning, looking at a map and figuring out where I was. That was helpful to get my bearings and to kind of get a sense of, um, based on what I would read next, maybe how far it would be and could I walk it, would I have to Uber, what all could I do in one day. So I got a sense of where I was and kept reading because the book was really interesting. And it started off by highlighting uh, like 10 different couples who co-owned restaurants in downtown LA, husband and wife teams. And I thought, well, that's super cool. I love to eat at restaurants that are either owned or the head chef is a woman um, when I explore different cities. And so I knew I wanted to find somewhere cool to eat, but I thought, I don't know if I want to spend all that money at a really nice place by myself for lunch. And so I just kept reading, kept flipping. I hadn't found it yet for me. And the next section was highlighting a woman who really had developed most of downtown LA in the 1920s. Florence Kessler was um, a plumber's wife, and she lived in the Midwest. And in the late 1800s, her husband decided to try and strike it rich in California and, and left her to run the plumbing business all by herself while he tried to make it rich. He was gone for eight 
years. And in the meantime, she figured it out and she ran the business and she got her own plumbing license, one of the first women to ever do so. And she kept her family afloat. He returned eventually and then died soon after. And she decided, well, it's my turn. I'm going to try and strike it rich in California. And so she relocated to LA. And because of her plumbing business and all of the construction experience that she had, she started a new development company and she ended up developing nine or ten of the skyscrapers in downtown LA, the ones that were built in the 1920s. And so I thought, well, this is fascinating. A woman who is responsible for all of these iconic buildings, and I wonder what they are today. I thought, I bet there's a story in one of them. And sure enough, in one of the buildings that is located now in Skid Row is uh, the Downtown Women's Center, which is the primary um, facility where women who are experiencing homelessness can uh, shelter and there's lots of other programs and and stuff going out of there and I thought well that would that would be interesting I'm really curious about that those of you who have listened at all to the show know that my bent is social justice and uh, nonprofits and all things uh, related to community development and so that piqued my interest I, I didn't want to really go to Skid Row by myself but it got me start on the de- road of nonprofits like what might be here in this city that's going on with women in a different way than what I would typically explore in a city. And so I kept reading and uh, came across a section on the nonprofits in LA. And so I started reading about arts uh, organizations and other things. And in really small print, up in the top right corner, I saw Homegirl Cafe. And of course, that piqued my interest. And so off I am um, to Google researching what is this, and it's connected. It's one of the businesses run by Homeboy Industries, which I hadn't heard of, um, but that comes out of Father Gregory Boyle's ministry, and I knew him, and I knew his book, Tattoos of the Heart. I just hadn't connected that he was in L.A. and that his organization was Homeboy Industries, um, an organization that works with men and women who are either former gang members or have a previous incarceration on their record. And so <clears throat> Homegirl Cafe was one of the businesses, and they were open that day for lunch. And so there I had it. That My first stop was decided I was going to go there for lunch and just explore and see as much as I could of what they were doing. And so now I'm thinking, okay, what kind of organizations are in this city working with women? What else do I know? What else can I find? And I remembered from my days of working in anti-human trafficking that a lot of my FBI uh, colleagues would place young women in something called the Dream Center in L.A. It was one of our go-to kind of crisis placement shelters. So I looked up Dream Center, and sure enough, there it is, not too far uh, from Homeboy Industries, and do they do tours? So I'm flipping through the website, looking to see if they do tours, and would you believe that they do them twice a week? One of them was that day, just a little bit later in the afternoon, and so boom, that would be my next stop. I would take a tour of the Dream Center. And so that shaped my day. I jumped in an Uber, and I headed off to Homegirl Cafe for lunch. It was Taco Tuesday. And I walked in and just immersed myself in all of the the energy of what was happening there. There were a ton of men and women kind of on the street corner with 
uh, st- like street cleaning equipment. You could tell a crew was about to take off. And then I walked in and there were a ton of men who were um, working behind the counter at their bakery or their check-in counter or their store. And they were also the wait staff. And I was seated. And behind the counter, it was an open kitchen concept, uh, were all the women who were cooking and preparing the food. And everyone had on a matching T-shirt. And on the back, it said, God made no mistake when he made you. And I just, I loved that. They were fully tattooed, um, men and women. You could just kind of see their stories and history literally written on their body. And yet this redemptive um, just belief on their back. It was just beautiful. And so I enjoyed lunch and walked around and just got a feel for the place. I ended up not talking to anybody. Um, I was pretty distracted at the moment. I thought I had just lost my AirPods. AirPods. So anyways, enjoyed lunch, left and and had time before the Dream Center tour and looked at Google Maps, wondered, you know, again, where am I? What's around here? And Chinatown was just a couple blocks away. So I walked over to Chinatown and walked into this um, kind of pedestrian-only square. It was so dilapidated. It just felt like, you know, it had seen its glory days. And most of the restaurants and stores were closed, out of business. It was really sad. But there were, you know, a handful of people walking around in one store that was open. I walked up to them. I asked the woman there if she knew of a story of a woman from that area of town. And she either did not understand my English or did not understand my question. It's always a toss-up between those two. And so I kept walking, and I thought, I know there's a story here. I know there is a story here. And so here's what I do oftentimes, women, is I just Google, and I Google the craziest search strings. And so I just stood there under the this like pagoda entrance to Chinatown, and I started Googling um, Chinatown, L.A., women, history. And <laughs> eventually I found a woman named Christine Sterling. And here's the, here is the story. China City um, was built by Christine Sterling in 1937. She was kind of a wealthy L.A. socialite and uh, was born in the late 1800s, had already built um, like a a Mexican-themed street, and it really felt like you you were in like a like an Epcot center. She had costumed um, actors who would walk up and down the street. And it, you know, it was primarily for white people to experience this culture, quote unquote. Well, um, the Chinese had recently been displaced because Union Station went in where a large population of Chinese people resided. And so they were displaced. And she you know, talked herself into they need a home, they need a community, they need a place to call their own. And so she um, purchased this property and hired someone from Paramount Studios to build this set. She took sets actually from a film called The Good Earth and recreated the feel of a small Chinese village in downtown LA. On opening day, 10,000 white people came same thing, costumed um, actors and actresses and restaurants and stores and all of that. Well, the Chinese people, of course, thought this is ludicrous. Who does this white woman think she is? Um, we know what we need and what we want. Shortly after China City burned down and the Chinese themselves rebuilt what we now know today as Chinatown and where I was standing. But the story of this woman who... Um, 
did not leave a great legacy, right? Not all stories of women, not all fingerprints of women are heroic um, and beautiful, but there she was nonetheless. Her fingerprints lingered, and I just loved finding that story. And so then I, I jumped in my Uber, and I headed over to the Dream Center and had a tour by three participants. Two were um, graduates, and one was the wife of a current participant. And I just loved hearing her story and um, just how it all works. It's a, it's an old ab- hospital, um, really from the early 1900s. In fact, it was run by um, Benedictine or Franciscan sisters, I forget right now, until the 1980s when they had to close it down as a hospital and it became a set, a Hollywood set. <laughs> and so lots of movies were renting it out. So just imagine a spooky hospital. It was probably used for horror films. And then in the late 80s, they wanted to sell it and a pastor and his father um, had planted a huge church in I think Arizona and had come to LA to start a new church and anyways they ended up buying it for um, so much less even than what Hollywood offered but they purchased it and so it's about 20 years old and it's um, has 800 beds it's a recover a 12-month recovery program for addicts and um, people experiencing a variety of um, just things that they need space and um, healing to overcome. And when a spouse needs to enter into the program, their family can stay there too. And so this woman giving us the tour was there living with her kids in the family wing while her husband was completing the 12-month recovery program over in the um, participant wing. And they do all sorts of things. They have a home for veterans. They have an area for youth who have aged out of the foster care system. They do street outreach and they have clothing outreach and food outreach and all sorts of amazing things. And in a city that has an increasingly high homeless population. I I read upwards of 53,000 a year experience homeless in LA. This is one center that stands out, and I loved being able to not only explore it, but um, learn about it through the lens of a woman who actually lives there and has experienced the blessing of their ministry. And so that was my day. I was able to explore um, two amazing organizations and how they are um, caring for women and empowering women and men through their work. And I was able to learn of the story of a woman who had left her fingerprints in Chinatown. And it was all brand new to me. And it all came and was shaped from just sitting on the floor with that book. And so I just want to encourage you women, discovering the fingerprints of women in a city that you uh, maybe have always lived in or are newly discovering is so doable. It really just takes a little bit of sleuthing with Google, with Google Maps, um, with whatever you can find um, around you and even asking, right? The woman in Chinatown was not the only woman I asked for stories. When I came back, um, the woman, a woman was cleaning our room and I asked her for some stories. She first wanted to go to actresses and I said, no, 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 not Hollywood. I want you to think about downtown LA. And she couldn't, she left, but she came back. She came back and knocked on the door and said, okay, someone's come to mind. And she shared with me the Black Dahlia, who was a woman who was chopped up into a million pieces and 
uh, a show has been made of her. I'm like, really? That's what you've got for me? That's pretty gruesome. But uh, asking for stories from women who actually live and work in the place that you're visiting also helps. But it's so fun. And again, as I've shared before, I find it to be a sacred journey to discover the story of our sisters who have shaped the place that we are exploring. And so this week in the City Guide, I'm going to talk more about that and provide a, a template of sorts for you to take into the next city that you visit. Maybe it's this Christmas, this holiday season. Maybe it's planning for your spring break or your summer vacation. Maybe it's just looking at your own city through some different lens. But I hope that encourages you and I hope that you discover more of, of women. One more thing before I let you go. Wanted to highlight another friend who's doing amazing work. Katie Johnson, who will actually be a guest on the podcast in two weeks, is co-founder and editor and writer for Red Tent Living. She also works for World Renew, and her job there is to help tell the stories of the the communities that they are working with around the world. This month, she helped to produce a short video that is so inspiring about some girls in Bangladesh who are leading the way to fight gender-based violence. And I have joined along to help raise money for this campaign. Just $50 supports four girls. And I would love for you to check it out as you are considering all of the ways to give at the end of this year. Would you consider joining my team, Fierce and lovely to give towards this campaign for just girls. Every dollar given is going to be matched by one day's wages. And so I'm going to be talking more about this in future episodes. But if you are already curious, you can see in the show notes a link to the video and to a way to give and to learn more about this program. Um, But it is standing in solidarity with our global sisters who are trying to lead their own communities in change. And I want to support that with all I've got. Would you join me? Would you consider that? So again, follow the links in the show notes to learn more. Thanks so much for sticking with me and for listening um, to all of the ways that we can just stand shoulder to shoulder and support uh, fellow women around the world. This is Beth Bruno, and you've been listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.